0: Welcome to 1st and 15, the show that takes you around the UK flag football scene. Sponsored by Nuola, your customised sportswear supplier. Thank you, Marcus. You can't see him, but he's working busily in the background. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Welcome. This is Coach's Corner, um, and this is the first in the series. And as you can see, we're starting off pretty strong. Um uh, with uh, Dale Kirby and Joe Cottrell. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Now, there may be some people who don't know who you are. They may have been living under a flag football tight rock, but let's let's uh let's let's think about these poor people. Joe Cottrell, care to introduce yourself?
1: Uh, oh, tough. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Joe. That's a good start. Uh no i've been playing for the Cardiff Hurricanes. founded them uh, a few years back uh, recently been playing gb um and just kind of generally out there i guess uh, Play for swc and a couple of other things but, uh, but yeah there you go humble
0: start there from joe uh, <laughs> dale you've got a few more years on the clock i feel um but my uh, keeper, my keeper. Thank you, thank you. But uh, yeah, introduce yourself to the world that may not know of your legendary status. <laughs> I don't know about legendary.
2: Um, uh, I started playing nineteen ninety three um, in 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 Cardiff. Uh, went to Cardiff University. Played for the Cobras. Um, you look surprised. Um, I did. I did contact till about two thousand and five. My um, last team was. Um, Sussex Thunder, 2003, sorry, um, 2004, roundabout right then, uh, with Sussex Thunder, uh, and then got into flag. Um, like Joe, played for GB for a, for a few years. I was fortunate enough to go to, to five um, European Championships, but but never the World. Um, and I've done quite a bit of coaching um, flag. Bit of contact recently with Surrey Stingers, working under um, Andy Scott, who's a, a great teacher um that's very recently in fact we're we're back to training
0: again tomorrow which is very exciting it is actually yeah uniquely exciting um but uh, let's not try and dwell too much on the c word um yeah i didn't realize you were originally um uh, in in wales i i just remember you i think chichester sharks was uh our main um uh, coming to not that I got that close to at any point uh, during those times, but um, occasionally we'd meet for the coin toss. But um, that was about as close as I ever got, actually, in that stage. So yes, and um, what we're here to talk about, uh, dear viewers and all listeners, um, <clears throat> specifically, uh, we've got two topics to come up with, and I've asked the, each of Coach to kind of um, uh, come up with their topic. To be fair to Joe, I. Uh, it was very specific because I, I attended a BAFGA conference in fill in the blanks, Joe. Twenty I'm gonna say two thousand
1: eighteen. It could be
0: nineteen though. I have no idea. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah, I can't I can't get the timeline right, but I'm gonna make you blush here, Joe, and say it was probably easily the best one I've ever seen, as in your individual talk and genuinely made me I think what <laughs> it was really interesting was that you really went away from uh, any basics any essentials and really kind of was pushing sort of it to the next level uh, at the same level that the, the tackle conference was at so uh, and i do include my own talks uh, in that so yeah you were it was really interesting and the, what you were talking about that day was use it was a lot of offensive talk but one of the the pit that really um pricked my ears was um use of multiple quarterbacks um now you know in that we, we were talking previously and then dale mentioned about sort of um how those high-flying mexicans and and americans use it but um at the other end of the scale um with the black widows often i find myself i've either got a team of five quarterbacks or and as you remember dale a team of no quarterbacks and then you still and what i've kind of the concept i and that's more often than not to be fair that i've not had a, a quarterback um, one of the things was well if rather than just press ganging a player into being the QB, what if everyone kind of had a a slice of that pie and was everyone still got to play sort of the receiver positions. But um, yeah, if you just want to kind of go back over the basics that you covered on that, that day, Joe, about the multiple QB system and what your thoughts uh, were on the ethos and and the technical
1: side. Um, Yeah. So overall, I I do think uh, it's kind of, a foundation i do think britain as a whole doesn't really develop throwing skills probably as much as it should um obviously in flag football it's one of if not the biggest facet of offense being able to throw a ball uh, especially the higher level you get it's just so so incredibly important and um i think it's very telling that you watch teams warm up and uh you'll see you've got the one quarterback the one that thought he could have played quarterback but actually throws wobblers and then the rest of the team who all, all what, fight to be QB seven, eight, or nine, and um is amazing because you can watch the team and instantly tell um who the throwers are in a team, just 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 throwers, not even quarterbacks, just people who can actually throw the ball. You see the ball leave their hand and it's just kind of wibble wobble, end over end, it's not great. Um, and I do think that, you know, is a skill that you kind of develop. I think I was a bit lucky in, in a sense. Definitely not a textbook quarterback at all. Played a lot of cricket uh, and such growing up that kind of just allowed throwing the ball to naturally come. Obviously, the ball size not quite the same. But um, for me is about kind of developing everyone to be able to throw the ball. So at the moment at of Hurricanes, um, if, you, if you watch us play in the final or something or play against us, you'll know there's, there's two of us who will throw the ball. But I'd probably go as far to say I trust anyone on offence to throw a ball. Maybe not in every situation, but on any given down, I, I wouldn't say no to someone being able to throw the ball. I feel confident enough that they can all throw the ball to a good good enough standard maybe not manage a game and do everything else but that that's a good good sort of a foundation and then it just kind of leads on to when you use a multi-quarterback system and um, if any of you ever seen the uk dukes play they essentially have a team full of quarterbacks and so when that happens you never quite know where the ball is going to end up on any given play it kind of gives every, it makes every defender not only think about coverage and who they're up against, um, but then is also, right, I actually need to be able to blitz because for me, I, I never practiced blitzing for, for such a long time. And it's not until sort of the past couple of years where I thought, right, it is handy to just, just expand my game a little bit. But also you find yourself in training having to blitz a second quarterback and if you don't break down or, or know how to black uh get your hands up, get in the way, pull flags at uh, that sort of pace, it is a difficult skill. Um and given the situation that you're blitzing a second quarterback, you don't want to be the guy that just gets run around. Uh and, and obviously in, in that situation it, it can be tons of space. So it opens up so so many avenues uh for me and and but like I said in my in my talk, the biggest thing for me, and it's one thing I don't think British teams do enough, is to build an offense around their players and their skill sets. There's no point in you starting the season and saying, right, we're gonna go all guns blazing, we'll just be absolutely vertical as can be. We'll throw deep balls 50% of the time and uh, go for it. And then you, you rock up, your team can't catch a ball over their shoulder to save their lives. and I mean, it takes them all six seconds to get downfield. So at that point, it, you're going to struggle. That That's not the offence for you, in my opinion. But in my case, I, I was super, super fortunate that the the, the year, I guess, that's just passed in flag. Um, I had a ex-Canadian university player with me who played quarterback in university and won a ton of state championships and so, so forth. So for me... That's something really, really special because given who else I have around him, uh, I had Costas, Chris Jones, keys all fantastic receivers. And if I can put any defence man on man on any of those guys, let's play ball because that's something I'm very excited about as an easy prospect. They're all great players. So, so yeah, it it is such a deep thing and it's not for me just, alright, oh, just chuck a guy back there and let him run around and throw a ball and do whatever and get a bit messy. And um, it is a
0: massive, massive uh, topic. Indeed, indeed. Actually, just just cutting briefly there to Dale about when we talk about developing throwing skills and, uh, <clears throat> you know, in the UK, uh, I guess it's not a sport that has a similarity to football. So um, do you share Joe's kind of uh, um despair <laughs> that we've not got enough quarterbacks or in enough people yeah enough people who can throw with a, with a reasonable technique and be comfortable
2: i think joe explained that really really well and i think he alluded to the fact and i'll come to this later, later on that it is more than just the mechanics of being able to throw a football but, but that's really really important i um i went some years ago you'll remember this name Andrew, Joe Kilby. Um, oh, he was at yes. a quarterback training camp run at the University of Hertfordshire years ago. Um, yeah. Jim Messenger was still still involved with the women's program at that point. And it was a guy called Darren Slack, who Joe you may well yeah. have heard of, a quarterback guru. Um, it was an amazing two days and and actually the amount of detail that goes into teaching somebody to throw a ball um, properly and with accuracy and with touch when you need it. It's a, it's a really, really complex, um, complex skill. So I, I don't despair, I suppose, because I've also seen people throwing quite an unconventional way. I mean, Joe, when you watch you, you play, you will adapt, you know, and you will throw the ball in a, in an atypical way, in order to get the ball to where it where it needs to go, so it might not be what you would expect on um, on the contact field. I know you were at Swansea you know, previously, uh, Welsh rivals, boo. Do um, you think of somebody <laughs> like Neil Henderson? You know, as Andrew, as you said, I was with the Sharks for a number of years, and and that was tremendous. And again, very unconventional in the style, but but adapting, I suppose, a way of throwing in order to to do something that you can you can do in flag football that perhaps you can't do when you've got an an offensive line in in front of you. Um, But, yeah, not a skill to be underestimated um, at at all.
0: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Thank you for that, Dale. So, Joe, just expanding on that concept then, um, what do you think is the first, uh, you know, going perhaps beyond some of the obvious, what's the first kind of um, advantage that having that amount of QBs has on you in in play design and uh, concept.
1: Um, I think it's two big areas, and um, I think obviously it's quite. I, I'm going to talk a lot about sort of my experience and and sort of how we play in Cardiff. Obviously, as I said, build everything around your own team and your own personnel. But um, for us, I, I feel like we've got. Um, you know, all quarterbacks or non-quarterbacks, I think we have got quite a fast team in places people that run, you know, pretty crisp routes, not not anything un- unreal or anything um, too good or, or what people can't replicate by any means but um, for me I'm looking firstly uh, at the defence and saying to myself where, is there a fifth guy on the field, is there a guy I can go after on this game um, and if there is let's make sure we can put him in there as much as possible because the first thing I'll try and do is get that guy one-on-one with someone where he can't hide zone coverage. You can hide a bit. You can tell someone, well, just cover the flat, just stay down there. It'll be okay. Just don't, you know, don't leave too much space. And then, you know, don't get me wrong, you can still go after him a bit, but it's the principle of kind of exposing them on a wider scale is a lot harder. So for me, I want to, if I want to go after someone like that, I'm, putting a guy in the backfield of me and, and essentially telling the defence, look, there's two of us in the back. Um, we're going to have three receivers lined up and I want you to cover my three receivers with your three guys. Now pick your three because you're going to have to blitz us two as QBs. Otherwise, we're just going to pick you apart. It's too long to kind of throw. At that stage, is kind of it's a game of it, one v one. Who's better than who? Uh, is where you i guess uh in a a contact world make your money and i want to see i I just want to see how they match up if i can you know move my guys around because i can put you know someone like who i think one of the best receivers in britain on their worst player then don't don't believe i'm not going to do that every single play until they start changing around and when they start changing i'll keep changing but um yeah, I'm looking, one, at a sort of matchup perspective. Can I get our best on their worst and vice versa? Um, but then another way I kind of approach it is to see how they're going to adapt just, just for one or two plays. I don't necessarily want to use it all game, but I want to show it to them, make them really think about it, uh, you know, see how they line up and, and obviously, if they're not ready for it, is this a great opportunity for us? But it's not, not something that I tend to play all game with because I want to see how a defence moves around. So if I line someone up on the line of scrimmage and drop them back into the backfield, do they react differently than me putting someone already 10 yards in the backfield with me pre-snap? Is those kind of adjustments, I want to see them how they react. You know, you break a huddle, You've got, what, five seconds to react to the fields, of defenders. I want to see who the guy is that's going to be barking the orders for someone to, uh, you know, go cover that guy.
0: Okay. And when you're looking for the matchups, is it, uh, you know, particularly in that kind of uh, when you're using a multiple QB kind of offense, uh, is it physical attributes you're looking for? Is it the slowest guy? Or is it actually about when you're trying to make somebody make a decision? um you know like you're saying in 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 a in a vanilla offense I'm covering this guy he's going to run over there I will chase him um whereas when as soon as you get that so it, it, you know she's perhaps thinking she might throw she might run she uh, I I don't know um which is that you're looking for the physical kind of aspects of of someone or is it say there uh, um you know the, the mental aspects of the game that you look into kind of expose
1: um i I, it, I it's definitely a combination of both um because there's moments for me i use my first drive on offense as a drive to give a couple of different looks a couple of different plays and To be brutally honest, I'll go off of that first drive and say I can tell you what they're going to do on every single route route combination for the most part. And for me, that then dictates the next few drives. I can kind of call plays and loosely know what's going to happen. So, yeah, one would look for physical. If, you know, for example, i use him again. Like Costas is about six foot two, quite fast. If I can get him on someone quite short, that's a nice matchup. up But obviously in that first drive, again, I'm trying to stretch people. I want to see them. Are they good moving laterally? Do they backpedal well? Do they transition well? Do they run? Um, You know, they're the things we we want to kind of see in that first drive. We want to get, essentially test you and and push your limits from the off. Um, And obviously it's it's easier to do when there's some teams you already know. There's some teams you play so regularly that you don't really even need to do that too much on a first drive but even then st- still have a look at it um but mentally yeah def- definitely There's there's a lot of qb 2qb designs where i want to put someone in a bind from the off i want to either turn, you know i might run someone in the same direction as where the 2qb would have dropped from so he's kind of saying right do i go and cover Uh, the guy's just running across my face and stay with him or is it make more sense to go and chase a second QB because that bind opens up two avenues obviously there might be a miscommunication uh, passing off someone if he does go to blitz and vice versa so um yeah yeah you are you're definitely testing people um from the off and and if you can get hold of film that would dictate one or the other or you know, if you can get essentially if you can get hold of film or see previous experiences of teams, it definitely helps. You you just kind of or, or at least for myself, I just remember those things, they just stick in my head and uh they don't really leave. Oh, that's a sad life. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's gotta be the got to be nerds to, to be coaching in this game uh quick actually quick get you in on this one then dale um which would you which would you rather face the 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 wily veteran who's dropped a few steps or the 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 young buck clearly uh an, an athlete with pace and strength and and leaping leaping ability but yeah if you if in joe's concept there, you're looking for the weak link who, who's the one you go after the the wily veteran or the uh um the 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 rookie athlete
2: i I would pick on the
0: rookie
2: i would i would bank on the fact that sooner or later um they'd get greedy um one of the things i really like from from joe's talk is when he talks about don't get greedy and i know that's part of your your offensive mantra but i think it also applies to to playing defense as well to to play defensive back particularly to play corner i think you need you need some experience. The physical tools are un- undoubtedly important, but when you've seen it before, when you've got that built-in patience, you know. I think about, I think about your team winning that final, you know, um, Joe, and the interception that kind of turned the game around was just patience in the corner, just playing his man, playing his man, and then he, he knew the ball was coming out to the flats. He jumped it, and that was it. Game game over. So. Yeah, I would I would pick on the inexperienced, more athletic, um young young buck rather than the wily veteran. The wily veteran will will catch you out. Craig you know, yeah. Broughton that you had at Leicester. You know, the number of times he beat me. Um yeah. doesn't matter. You know, you might have years on him, but he's he's got that experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, Craig Broughton. Well, wow, yeah, that was uh, that's a blast from the past. But indeed, indeed yeah. Uh yeah, some um yeah, some decision-making. I'm not sure you've ever lost a pace, though. I don't know. I never saw him in his prime, to be fair. I only played played with him when he was uh, the, the wily veteran. But um, Actually, Joe, you know, so you're talking about you're kind of the you, – you, on that first drive and you're picking out sort of uh, – where you're kind of setting the team up. Mm. Um, multiple QB, what's your first play? I know you've not got a chalk ball here, but if you're looking to sort of see how a team reacts to that that are multiple quarterback what's the first play you would go for just to sort of see
1: um what, what no, they're going to no, do i would if i was gonna sh- it's kind of two ways I, I kind of approach it so the first way is to kind of drop someone already existing back so defense can see it pre-snap okay. uh, and, and that's how they you know coming, up, coming out from the formation i've got someone you know more than likely to say like the far left of me hugging the sideline he's eight yards deep or so um and i'll come and show that to him and most of the time i'll let i'll let them talk uh i, I just kind of line that up and for a good couple of seconds i want to see what they're saying because mo- most people don't they don't talk in code on a field yeah. Um there is no talk uh, and, and a lot of people are not necessarily prepared for it so a lot of the time is you know for example i'll just be like oh dale I, i've got to go I've got to go blitz that guy, yeah, is that okay? If are you going to cover this flat out here? And it's all out loud, so you, you do get a quick, <laughs> quick little figure for it really fast. So give them kind of a couple of seconds, but not enough to you know really solidify all the way across the defence exactly what's going on. Um, in that particular scenario, I probably just fled the one side and won't even, throw to the, won't even look at the second QB for, for the most part, just something that gets a ball out fast, just because I want to see if they play man or not. If they play man, then that's when we kind of expand it a bit more. But most of the time, I line up sort of someone back left, put two others to the right, flood a zone out there, and and kind of just see how they adapt. Because to me, you treat it like a trips look. So you're going to have to cover a centre, a slot right, and a wide right. Yeah. Um, and no one's on the left. But typically in flag, you play quite balanced, so you would have maybe two defenders on the left. Now one of them. Should go and blitz him. If they don't, they're in trouble. They're in trouble regardless. We're flooding the right side, so so don't need to worry about that. But I want to see what both of those two defenders figure out what they're going to do. Is one going to go and play to the other side? Is he, you know, what, what's he going to do? Because it, all it sets up is if they decide, you know, they're going to go play like a, a sort of triangle, if you like, on the right, then it gives us and they blitz to the left, then it gets a bit of you know a ton of room to the left. I might even use the quarterback on that guy blitzing as a one-on-one advantage. Um, it's probably something that people don't probably do enough, but it's a lot of running routes from a second quarterback because, it's, you know, if I flood everyone to the right sideline um, and I've got, you know, they all play a man on the right sideline, I've got a quarterback next to me uh, one-on-one with someone blitzing him. You've got to remember that that's uh, at least seven yards of someone sprinting towards someone who's got essentially a straight line ahead of him if he wants it. And again, again, kind of no space in be, behind that uh, you can't just run into. It's just kind of open field. So it is something to look at. But then also line up in slot left or, or kind of just get a nice little spread look uh, and drop him from somewhere else in the field, see how they move then. The difference is um, I find that when you do this on the sort of the first play, is messy not you that's messy as the defence is messier and because it's not conventional and you don't see it it's definitely a play where you can make a mistake on a first play as a quarterback just because you have just like then, they have no idea what's going on as a defence. You have no idea what's going on because you're trying to read a field and you've got some kind of someone covering the left flat, someone in the deep middle, two people on the line of scrimmage it's just a bit of a mess. So you do it for me you just kind of want to see then then communicate all right someone needs to cover him and we need to cover this so you want to see that communication happen but not too quickly i'd say
0: so as dale said you get the wily veteran to be patient that's interesting yeah because often when it is that kind of an unconventional offense the kind of the the conventional wisdom is to to snap the ball really quickly catch everybody out but yeah, yeah actually what you're actually doing is, is and i appreciate what you're saying because yeah you're gonna you're probably gonna end up with chaos and no structure you can pick apart structure you can't pick apart chaos because how can you you can't predict what's going to happen next because you know there's someone in the middle of the field completely lost and they will you know and the, the, without that structure and that so um I, I totally get what you're saying there so yeah that makes a lot of sense it, and being patient. Patient.
1: just be impatient I'm, yeah I'm, I'm, yeah Said, just don't. I just don't get greedy with what someone gives me, so yeah, most of the time I won't throw 10 yards down the field on the first play, There's just absolutely no need, especially if they've got something else to think about. Yeah, um, yeah, and and you know, as you said about the smoke game in the final, and obviously, Dale, you've you've watched it. I will, you know, I don't mean I've ever said this on the record, but one for, for us as a defense playing the smoke, they're a methodical team, and I know exactly how they play charlie's probably the most intelligent quarterback out there uh, he is exceptionally clever and probably the most uh he, he can quantify anything on a field very quickly um and i do urge people to talk to him to be honest to see how he goes about it his game management skills are fantastic and so for us most of the time i go into games thinking right we can just kind of outsmart this team and and even if we do struggle a little bit physically, I know we can, we've can. we got a mental edge on them. But when you play a team like that, it's about kind of testing that patience, that willpower of a team. And then we, truth be told, played a very, if I had to kind of assess it, a bad defense. We played in a, in a weird kind of sense, we played sort of like a diamond where we kind of played one guy quickly um, to just kind of take away the quick passes to slot because obviously Charlie gets in the centre quite a lot. So we didn't want the ball coming out quickly inside, and then we used our two widest corners to kind of cover the sidelines because I know Charlie's got an absolute rock of an arm. He can make those passes as quick as he can make the inside passes. So they were quite isolated, but then we had one play over the top of everyone, and just kind of keep a lid on everything, keep everything in front of us and just kind of make them work. That does go into their, their game plan as such. They're a very patient team and, and like us, they don't really run out of patience. But the one thing I wanted was all of us to be in a position to take any chances that come our way. So well, I think we ended up with two interceptions and they were the game swingers. Without those interceptions, we never beat them there because they, every every drive, I knew they were gonna score. My assumption going into that game was, I'm gonna score every drive, are they gonna score every drive? And that's it. And it is a case of who gets that ball, um, the last ball, last possession on, on the half, if we've got it, fantastic. Um, but I know Charlie's an absolute expert at getting that last ball, and he will beat a lot of teams by getting that last ball. Um, and he done it to the button hookers uh, many, many a time. He always gets that last possession, which is critical to me. Um, but, yeah, it, it's not a good de- – what we've done against them, not a good defence, but I knew you have to test someone patiently. You can play deep um, and, and, you know, really backed off. But are you, can you resist that deep shot for the entire game? And Sometimes you can and can and depends who you are. It, it, for me, that's a different sort of test. That, I mean, was nothing on that defensive footage and we really didn't know. I was like, that's a fantastic defense. It wasn't. But it was just, it was a purpose and uh, patience. Indeed. Well,
0: at least you have got episode two for me sorted, so I'll be uh, <laughs> on the phone to Charlie. Thank you. Um, and, yeah, just one final uh, question on that do you find on that first play that you 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 were describing, is it normally the the original quarterback is the most likely to be open?
1: Um, it's chaos <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's chaos if you if you're throwing back to anyone um, if you're throwing to a second QB on a first play, it's more than likely because no one at all has gone to cover him. Yeah. Uh, in which case, uh, I mean, all the guys kind of know. I don't ever have a problem with you running the ball as a second quarterback. It's a safe, safe option. Yeah. Can't can't throw an interception and you can't really fumble the ball. Um. So for me, take taking five, ten yards. Crack on, happy, go for it. Um. Very low risk, not a problem with it. Um. But at the same time. If if they are covered, I'm happy to go elsewhere as an original quarterback to throw to someone else. I'm always happy flooding a two-two, so <laughs> it's fine with me.
0: No, I, I get it, and I think yeah, just the summary is it's not that first play. It's it's the fact that you've listened to the chatter on that first play, and they've probably like they've got their base concept, and maybe they'll just shift it over. And yeah, you're hearing them, you're doing that, you're doing that. So you could perhaps run the same play, exactly the same play again. But not only will they know what they're doing <laughs> because at this time, rather than the chaos in the second oh, time right. you run it, you've got it, and so you say, "Well, he should be doing that xx, and then uh, that that makes that makes a lot of sense. so um, yeah, appreciate that, Joe.
1: It's um, good to him off guard, but I mean what what's the the benefit of rushing the play sometimes oh, it doesn't go your way. Well, it's well, great yeah. to catch him off guard, but being flag where it's not a massive space, true, true. you can figure it out with them and then you're
0: ahead of the play for me that makes sense that makes sense um and then we're going to move on to the the, the topic that, that, that um that dale was uh, wanted to talk about today and, it, and it's kind of interesting in that we, we again we're moving away the the, the captain is the quarterback um, and you know what Dale was wanted to talk about was kind of the players uh, about leadership, the relationship between captains and other players. Um, do you want to kind of uh, give us a broad introduction, Dale, on on the what you wanted to talk about today?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it it's really some thinking that's evolved, I suppose, over over a long period of time for me. Um, a lot of my my coaching. Uh, actually comes through rugby um did a, I was at my last school for for 18 years um and started teaching rugby there didn't really understand what I was doing and I thought that basically your job was to from the from the touchline shouting lots of instructions it was, it was all it was all tell you know you've got you've got tell you've got sell you've got ask and you've got delegate that's what you're taught when you start doing some and learning around coaching and and everything was telling i thought if i'm up and down the touchline and i'm sweating more than the players and i'm giving them lots of instruction you know that's that's great coaching um <laughs> it was it was learning from some from, from wiser people really than, than myself That actually it's the players game you know first and foremost that they are the ones who have to make the decisions that really opened my eyes to a, a, a different approach to that and then American football, I, you know, I loved football, started watching it in, in the 80s as lots of people of you know, our generation did on channel four and, 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 you know, and, and so on. And conceptually seemed really different as well because you had obviously the quarterback as this, this pivotal role who seemed to be shouting out lots of instructions that didn't make any sense but it was very, very exciting. And then you started to understand that well coaches are they're wearing headsets and they're sending in all this all of this information and i thought okay so this is a different sort of concept and when i got into to coaching flag football um as, as well i had a had a youth team worked with a guy called dave lee who you, you both both know dave, so i learned dave. a tremendous amount from um excellent on fundamentals and one of the things i, I learned from dave was the the real value of doing the teaching properly but where we gelled was was the idea that ultimately it does need to be the player's game even with something like football which i think is it's not as fluid as rugby or, or, or soccer where yes literally players are making decisions all of the time but there's still scope definitely with, with football to allow the players to, to take ownership of what what they're doing and that's when your captain's important. That's when your leaders right across the field are, are really important. And I'm fascinated by Joe's thoughts around the sort of the two qb because what you're doing there, of course, is you're you're making everybody decision makers. You've got suddenly more space space to play with. Your route might say X, but actually I might want to adapt that because there's more space over over there. But how am I? making that gel with the other decisions that others others are making. Um, one of the real highlights from the from the virtual BAFCA conference for me was Simon Browning's um, talk and this was on delegated leadership and he's done a huge amount of, of learning um, a, a, around it. and I'm not there yet in terms of being able to hand over that that degree of control that what he was describing I mean he's done Superb work we see with the Valkyries in, in, in Cardiff, uh, and what he was describing there was a way of making it very much the players' game. You know, teaching them some rules, giving them a fr- framework, but actually they're the ones who make this decisions. And it's there's a bit of a debate. You know, Simon will say it's just semantics whether the RPO, you know, is is really teaching the court about the rules and then he or she makes the decisions, or whether it is truly delegated um, leadership. And what I think what Simon was that was advocating really powerfully was the idea that the players are the leaders, the players are the, the decision makers, and then he reserves the right of the coach to, to step in to intervene if everything goes goes really, really badly. So that ultimately if you've done your job as as a teacher properly, that they can make they can make decisions and actually that's that's better for them. That's empowering for them. Um, that's that's a way that they can see their way through any situation, any any problem that you know somebody like Joe Cottrell throat throws at you. So um, <laughs> that's really where my sort of thinking is coming from on, on, on this.
0: Very interesting, Joe. Any initial thoughts on on that on that? So, it's...
1: no, we kind of talked briefly, didn't we? Um, in the week, um. And and leadership for me is just a a crazy topic because, uh, you know, I love autobiographies uh, and I love kind of stories essentially around sort of sports teams and and businesses from sort of all levels. And um, there's honestly, like throughout all of my reading, I've never really been able to put down traits that are just like, right, these are definitely, you read about someone like Steve Jobs, terrible temper and just but you had a kind of can-do attitude as such. You always wanted things done a particular way. And then you read about someone like Eddie Jones, who all kind of is not really the same type of person. It's all very I think it genuinely depends on on the players you do have around you. I think there's a bit of adaptability as coaches which you need. Um, I'm sure Dale's had Tons of experience coaching uh, children that some children react to certain sort of criticisms a lot better than others. Uh, some obviously need building up, some need to be given energy, some need to be, you know, really forced into things and, and they kind of open up then. But um, is a very wild topic. And um, I said to the peer review about that book I read called The Captain's Class by Sam Walker, definitely recommend to anyone who. Just like sports, uh, likes the topic of leadership. It's v- it, honestly the best book I've ever read on it, kind of thing. And um, just kind of the, the traits that I guess are kind of talked about, I guess, you you can kind of see it in different people. But even in that book, it, it, to briefly quickly go away, it's just a hat. it talks about tons of different teams, uh, successful ones like All Blacks or Cuban women's volleyball, talk about football, cricket, the, the lot. Um, it, it, kind of a good team from every Euro such is not really pinned down and it only really talks about the elite teams which kind of makes you think right well surely they're elite teams they've got to all have elite captains with elite traits and then you read on and none of them are really alike um hmm. so it is very fascinating and and for me i do, I do think leadership is not really something you teach as such. I, I do think there's people who are naturally quite good uh, you know, different subsections of leadership. Like I, I think some people are very good people, 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 if you like. Yeah. They, they're negotiators. They can talk to everyone. It's super easy for them. It just comes natural. And someone like that. Um, who can kind of get a message from players to coaches and be that middleman, but also be, if you like, one of the lads, um, is a great, great captain. But they're not really doing anything that's too outlandish. They're just kind of being them. And I kind of do like natural leadership. I, I've been in a couple of teams before where, you know, the the best player has been the guy that everyone's like, oh, he's got to be the captain. He's the best. He's the best player. And then you kind of get into a, a team with them and you're like, well, they're quite uninspiring. They're highly motivated, you know, they're great in the gym and stuff like that, but they don't really talk much. Uh, they keep themselves to themselves. They're kind of, they're you know, they're a good player, but they kind of just lead by example of what they're doing rather than, Sometimes filling the actual gaps of leadership that's needed, whether that's you know energising people, uh, kind of getting them on board with what the team's trying to do, is a difficult topic. Um, mm. But is why I kind of enjoy reading about so many different things. I think.
0: Mm. Yeah, good point. And I think certainly back up what you're saying. You see it a lot in Premiership football, where the best player is made captain, um, and not necessarily the best leader. But um, but yeah, Dale, you were looking to. I mean, in this concept, you're looking at that everyone has a, a leadership role. Is that what is that what you're thinking?
2: Yeah, de- definitely. There's um, I'm trying to get into a few different podcasts um, as well. There's one. Um, its leaders, not captains. Um, Bo Robinson, who's a former Wallaby um, player, um, and that's fascinating in some of the discussions that he that he, he has there. Uh, one of my favourite rugby coaches was, um, is, I should say, um, Stuart Lancaster, um, and a, a big part of of why he's very successful. Um, I know things didn't work for him with with, with England, you know, just prior to the. Eddie Jones' era uh, and sort of bombing out of the World Cup and so on was was really really hard. But what I liked was the idea that he spoke very much about embedding that that culture first, and it was the culture, and and then everything else was going to to flow from that. And the leadership for him, I think, is very much a case of you need to get everybody on, on board within your organization, within your team, within your you know, your, your your company. And you, you definitely need to get those those less experienced players, those less experienced people within the group to to step up and accept that they have a role. And Joe, I'm fascinated by you know what you, you, you talk about in terms of talking, because I do I do think there's a there's an important role there. I would say some of the traits of, of leaders and, and effective leaders are about building relationships with people, are about inspiring uh, people, but I'm conscious. Andrew, you asked a really interesting question in the week about, you know, the the quieter person, the more sort of, if you like, in, introverted um, leader. And I do think there are people who can who can inspire by their by their play, by their work ethic, by their commitment. But I think they really need to understand what the values of that organisation, that team, that uh, that that group are first and foremost, and then that commitment will sort of shine through. Um, the way that they play, the way that they train, the way that they hold others to account, you know, silently or, or perhaps in a more in a more vocal way um, as, as well. Um, I mean, Andrew, I have to thank you for meeting Phoebe Schechter, actually, because when you got me involved years ago with scouting for GB women's, women's flag, that was the it was on the sideline of one of the they called it the summer series. Uh, that yes. I met Phoebe. and um, I mean she was coaching, I think it was Staffordshire Staffordshire merge at the time. Uh and I I mean she must have just thought I was I was terribly patronising, but I went up to her and I just said, you know, the way that you're leading, the way that you're encouraging this this team is, is just phenomenal. And you know when you see Phoebe playing with the duke and they're running rings around my team or whoever it is. <laughs> It might be you see that same sort of personality infecting everybody um around around her and i think and that's one of the qualities that i would say you really want to tap into Phoebe doesn't need to be your team captain doesn't even need to be your coach but mm-hmm. having that ability to lead others um i think pat lamb from bristol bears talks about you know everybody can lead because everybody can influence somebody else and i, I think that's what know really good natural leaders um do, do all of the time they they influence the, the people around them uh,
1: that's paid dividends at the bears as well they've been fantastic ever since he kind of took over and um i think it's really telling to see a set of i say my age, I kind of know him and um, kind of, obviously playing fly off in the bears and he is been there for years now and kind of worked his way up and, and is to me he has obviously gone in there. That they are you you are probably weighing for listeners, he's quite undersized for rugby, he isn't the biggest bloke. Uh, you know, there's a clip of Carl Singler telling uh, I think is Elliot Daly to kick the ball at Callum uh, Sheedy during the Six Nations because he's just not a big fellow and he you know they think they'll compete with him, but he's playing one of the most critical positions for debatably England's. Best side right now, or one of at least. And there to me is no way that he's just sat there kind of saying nothing. And I do see, I do see what you mean. There's obviously there's energizers, if you like, in the team. The mm-hmm. people like Phoebe bring the buzz all the time. And I think you need those people just because yeah. it's so hard to if you're not necessarily in a good mood or, or really feeling training sometimes you turn that and you're like oh, i trying again today i don't want to be here kind of thing and then you get there and you have phoebe screaming her head off you know just excited to be there and keeping everyone happy <laughs> and morale is high i think that can be the tight tight turner sometimes yeah, it's yeah. really really tough so for me yeah i love it but then someone like you know, Callum, in this example, is a young person in a very experienced team. How do you, as that person, get into that team in such an influential role Uh and you're trying to help out? As you say, play your part. Everyone's playing a bit of influence in the team. And for me, the only thing I can really think of is through play. Now, like, he, he bringing such a, a high standard of play at such a young age, at such an unknown kind of person for me i think that is yeah one of the the qualities that do help and and really really fascinated by Dale's leadership aspect of everyone has a role because when you actually put it into your team and you think right what does everyone do for the team what you know like what's this person kind of like like i've just sat here been thinking about Cardiff as a whole and i'm like you know what actually he brings this he does that he, no one thinks of him like that but 100% he is that guy so it's chris very expansive
0: yeah and i suppose i from what i could try to understand here so your quiet one she might be the one that turns up early is always ready for training is is and this there's, there's quiet motivation I, I know what you mean by sort of uh, phoebe's kind of energy levels but other can bring that quiet energy levels like uh, the the they're the, almost that metronome as in no matter what 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 state the game's in you could be losing 50 nil. you could be in an absolute barnstorm of tied game you could be winning 50 nil. she's going to be that same person and there's that constance that uh you know that uh, but i guess my in in that kind of realm of of those what if you've got the the dominant character and yeah. it's a positive it's a positive yeah. but they can yeah. almost drown out all the other voices and um when they're in, when you're in the huddle, and and some and the coach say, or someone asks a question, you know that's the the first answer and not necessarily a bad answer, but how how do you kind of manage the the over enthusiasm um, mm-hmm. aspect there? What's your that's, thoughts that, on that? Yeah,
2: that's, that's a really really good point. I I you know I worked with some excellent guys when I was playing for GB. There's a guy called Tim Smith, um, yeah who. Wow who is an amazing player, um, and I think you know I learned a, a lot from him about sort of work ethic and, mm. and and skill and and the importance of, of fundamentals as well. And and Tim was a big a big personality. You know I had a probably my last coaching decision. Um, do you go for the draw with the one point conversion, or do you go for two points get the get the win? We're up against Italy. It's the last play of the game. Um, and we threw to Tim and we were we were inches short. You know we we, we didn't win that didn't win that game and you know, that was that was Euros and that was our chance at, at a medal sort of slipping slipping away. But but Tim was somebody that you went to. Tim was dependable, but Tim was also a you know a powerful personality and and he had opinions. And I think you know what I've what I've reflected on is had I had to manage Tim, I think I would have struggled. I think I would. You know, back then I would have, um, and I think I use the term manage quite deliberately as well. You know, that idea that I need to sort of control his his input, or I need to control uh, his ideas. And I think that you know, through doing a little bit more reading, I read um, rebel ideas, Matthew Said, um who did Banks and, and so on as well. Um, and that's really interesting about um, diversity of thought and how you want those people who essentially will will raise difficult questions or disruptive questions or look at a problem in a slightly different way in order to come to a better solution. Now, the huddle's a difficult time. You know, Joe, you're a quarterback and you probably don't want huge amounts of discussion in the huddle. If you're in and out in, in 25 seconds or if you're in you know, some of those competitions, it's, it's in an even shorter time than that. And it's, and it's not a democracy, but I think the, the principle of being able to harness Different people's ideas, um, in order that you come to a, a, a better outcome, is is probably what I'd like to be able to to do. And you know, when you think about national programme level, you know, we've all had experience of that. The people that you you recruit to national programme, they've got to have opinions, they've got to have ideas. You know, otherwise, what are they doing there? You know, at that level, you've you, you've you've got to have something to contribute. So. It's, it's a balance, isn't it? It's a care, careful balance to try and, try and strike between wanting those those rebel ideas and that divergence of thought, but also not wanting it to, to take us off course or to delay us from getting out of the huddle and having a clear idea of yeah, this is the play, this is where we're looking to, to, to attack. It's not a very good answer,
0: I'm afraid. There is, there is no, a... I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's tough. It's really tough. Sorry, Joe, I missed what you said, Dan. No, no, I, I don't think there All is right. a perfect answer to be fair. I, I, I do agree. Dale. I, I And I think, especially international teams, um, you know, one that people might know because there's a recency, but England rugby struggling like mad. Obviously we're not saying it's a power struggle by any stretch of imagination, but I always do think how does someone like Eddie Jones, um, Composite a team like that. You've got Owen Farrow, Marato, Jay, two Bird and Lions captains. For me, that's trouble in itself. But then you've got probably massive decision makers. People like Henry Slade, who's massively influential at club level. Um, the list goes on all the way through that team. They're all, at the end of the day, stars of the domestic team. So they all are probably, for the large part, quite big decision makers. So when they get to that level do you see guys simmer down? Do you see guys kind of, right, okay, this is all taken care of. Farris and Tojo got this in the bag. You know, we're fine. We don't really, we, you know, we just need to go about whatever they ask of us and, and go from there. But like you said, everyone has an idea. Everyone has an opinion. How do they get that across? Are they going to do it when it's too late on the field and try and change things then? Or do they pitch in early and try and get changes to happen? It must be a coach's nightmare. <laughs>
2: not for me i read um clive Woodward's um book winning um and it was recommended by a guy i was coaching um club rugby side it was my my son's side that i coached from about 2010 to 2016 and it was it was fantastic really enjoyable um and he he talks about leadership but he also talks about he makes up a few words i really like clive um, Woodward. he talks about followership and you you also need to have that idea that people understand that they have a role to play as well in respect of who has been appointed to lead this particular aspect, whether it's following the captain or, you know, with Johnny Wilkinson's autobiography and he throws a bad pass at Jeremy Guskett and Jeremy Guskett sort of berates berates him. And so, understanding your, your your role in terms of the whole, I think, is is really important as well. So. Maybe we can't all lead all of the time, but yeah, I mean it's a it's a, it's a really interesting really interesting dilemma.
0: Yeah, I like the word, the idea of fellowship actually, and I want some of the as the kind of the, the second in command is or the first person to say yes, coach, or that's a good idea. That that that's a there's a there's an understated leadership. So leader the, the leader A will say something, but it's the first mm. person to say. I agree. Let's do it, and that that can be um, that can be really powerful. So I don't know if that cancels fellowship. Maybe that's something that I'll have to uh, read upon. You've lots of quote, lots of books been thrown here. So what we will do is put them in. Uh, I don't know what we call it. In I uh, hear on the podcast they say the show notes. I'm also going to probably have to start to doing some reading up on rugby references. I have no idea who, who, who
1: those people you've mentioned. So, don't be um, reading. Just deal. Deal is uh, an oracle
0: and <laughs> so just dig into the to start right, off, god, all
1: right, all
0: right. don't or do no, don't. that is my next question <laughs> Did you, uh, that's that's awkward because my final question that i just wrote down then as we were talking there i thought on, on. one. you may you may have seen the last dance yeah With Michael oh, Ah, thank god for that because that's like, i was just about to die then but so Phil Jackson as a leader there, he stepped back a lot, massively and he had, when you think about the characters he had there, you know, obviously Michael Jackson, Scotty Pippen who had probably been a uh, was was a starter on any other team and Dennis Rodman and all that. I mean, I mean, is that, you know, that's where, you know, did, you know, I suppose my, my question there is to either of you was, was what kind of leadership does that by Phil Jackson the coach to almost step back so much and have so much I'm going to use the word ego for for one of a better word but there was so much ego a bit positive ego really because obviously so many championships but you know was that a brave decision was he was it intuitive was he just overwhelmed by uh, or did they win despite him i suppose mm-hmm.
2: Go on, Joe. You go first.
1: This is your area. So, I've read Eleven Rings, which is um, Phil Jackson's book. Oh, right. So, I've got a bit of an upper hand. But I'll say, if if I go down my view, um, I would personally, in his shoes, given the differences in sport, I think basketball is so, so heavy on the mental side of the game, um, as much as the physical we all saw in that, in in just that sort of series alone, you get the idea. You've got Michael Jordan, who is the best player to have ever played, who's probably the best trash talker to ever have played. Put him in one team, and in my eyes, someone like that, you kind of, and I think most is quite an American thing if you like to do, but it's to say, Michael, what do you want? How do we, how do we win every game? How what do we need to give you to let us win? Um and I think Scottie Pippen plays such an important role in it. He's someone that plays that gap, he between star player, um creating that big three, does the dirty work, does the pretty work, but isn't Michael Jordan? So at the end of the day, he's not not gonna get that attention. I think you could have had a, ve- you know, a very disruptive personality in there and it would have completely thrown the team off. Um which which then brings in Dennis Rodman. You've got this superstar who is the most erratic, volatile personality. Doesn't really align with things and personally I think they gave him all the support that he needed to be a good player in the team. Um there's times which I think probably as a coach you can't really control it. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, a player's gonna do what a player's gonna do. If a player wants to go out for long nights <laughs> go out for long nights, you just gotta accept that, especially at that level. What what can you really do about it? And I think Phil kind of just lets it happen. And I don't mean I don't mean that in the sense of oh, I was lazy leadership, but mm-hmm. what someone like Rodman who has such probably a volatile personality if you would turn around to Rodman and said right you're suspended for five games because you've been out past 2am and we say everyone's got to be in, you're just fighting fire with fire and eventually you probably go down the road of right we've got to train him they're trading rather but at that point you know you can get something good out of him and he is in, in loose terms a good person, you know he's not hurting the team physically um might not be a 100 percent and and align with your team goals and how you want the team to be and culturally fit but it all for me fits back to what Michael wanted he got um, got one of the best defensive players of the era to come and play with him for little money and, and so forth the little factors are built in but for me it was just kind of Phil's way of saying, Michael, this is your team, you know, we'll go and get whatever you want. Again, you got someone like Steve Kirk who just sat in the corner and and sharp shot for them every every time he could. So it is for me, it is a is a fine balance. Um would that would that particular coaching leadership style work in ninety percent of our teams? Absolutely not. Not a chance. You could not get away with it or you couldn't let you know one person like Dennis Rodman have all those rules and the rest of the team have different rules you know it's just such a bizarre circumstance that I do think was probably quite carefully produced it's definitely not a philosophy that you go into a team and and say right I'm the new head coach um, this is my philosophy one of you can go and be wild one of you's the star so <laughs> it's, it's all, it's all isn't it you know he's got his players he said right how do i make this work and and i think that's what he's done it's probably not the it's not written in textbooks on how to coach a team or manage a team but no. i'm sure when he looks down at his fingers he's probably not too bothered once he realizes oh, there. He yeah gone.
0: yeah I'm sure he's not tuning in here, hoping that Dale will go say say nice things about him. But does that does that you know just to round this off as the final bit? Does that <clears> kind <throat> of um, you know where Phil Jackson uh, clearly proved proved himself in other in other aspects? Um, that, but he was able to like, like you said, let go and let the players. There was, there was leadership on the on the field and a, a broad range of it. A broad range of leadership. Uh, you know, Michael Jordan was probably the the, the kind of the emblematic of the, the typical leader, and then you've got, uh, you know, um, uh, someone like Dennis Rodman who would just work so hard on the f- in practice to be fair to him. I don't know whether we had a lot late nights, Joe, or just late weekends or late weeks where he would rather than, you know, be back by Tuesday rather than 2 a.m. Um, yeah. But, you know, after a Friday night, but yeah, is that is that kind of obviously it's a very. Um, star studied and and, and uh, a, a key um, team but is that something you could apply to a lot of teams as well you know like not a lot this with the extreme characters but you know that hands off approach is letting the players make those decisions for themselves as you were saying
2: it's for, for me I think there's a, a principle around recognizing who your leaders are and recognizing perhaps who your stars are, 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 are as well so you know on en route to, to playing for the Chichester Sharks. I was with for a short time a team called the Barbarians and we, oh, we were basically Um and we were just bringing in any, anybody who wanted to play. So we had you know, a guy called Tony Stitt, who I think was on the 49ers practice squad at one, one point. One yeah. of the nicest human beings I've, I've, I've ever met and incredibly athletic uh, as oh, well. Wow. And at one point we had John Wise come and, come and play for us also. and it's, there was nothing <laughs> that I was going to teach John Wise. You know, it was, <laughs> it was it was my team and Dave's team and a guy called um, Jake Ashman. He, Andrew, you might remember as well. The guys largely coming from a contact um, and back, background. But I remember, you know, I remember jo, John showing this once uh, how to run, um, how to run a hook route, and there was so much movement in in in, in there. I mean, there were. Probably seven or eight different movements, and this is taking me back to sort of 2005, 2006. And I still remember him demonstrating this. And you think, you know, that's a star, and you so you you recognise that quality. You you let somebody like that just loose on the field, and you let them do what they're what they're able to do. And actually, he's a great leader as well because there's a, mm. a strong sense of integrity with, with with John clearly. But but I yeah, I think that's a an important distinction, perhaps, for me, that when you have people with phenomenal ability, you would call them the the star, hopefully they're a leader, but but maybe you you, you have to have a slightly different approach which them because you don't want to stifle that that creativity. That's going to be something that will take you and your team, hopefully, to to all sorts of heights.
0: I think you're right. I think you're right gentlemen thank you so much for your time this evening that's been uh, an education in in rugby football in books <laughs> to read my 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 library is going uh, to get a few more shelves on it By um i perhaps have to watch a few games of rugby first before maybe i, I bid in some of this but so no but you know in all seriousness that's great actually it's fantastic you kind of lost lots of references there so um, i might contact you afterwards just so we can put them into in terms of various facebook chats because i'm sure that's some fascinating references but thanks so much for your time guys that's i don't know if if no one else has listened or i've just had a a a wonderful hour thank you so much for your time really appreciate it and uh um yes well and, and yeah thank you also for the tip for the second episode as well so it's as, as at least three or four names you mentioned there. So, uh, but uh, thank you guys. Um, yeah, thanks
2: everyone. Thank you very much for the opportunity.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us, Andrew. It's been uh, fantastic, even if no one else listens. it's great to talk to you, you too and uh, share ideas at uh, any time spent with, uh, I review chatting these kind of things, fantastic. And uh, if anyone needs a coach, make sure we all go and hire Dale, because uh, Dale's <laughs> the, <laughs> the absolute man. Nice. This is for sure, Where this is are. for sure. Take care there
0: folks. Goodbye.
1: Stay safe. Stay
0: safe. That wraps up this episode. Find us on Facebook at First and Fifteen Podcast. Give us a like to keep up with all our shows. Also check out our sponsor, Nuola, for all your customized sportswear supplies.